I'm Chris Miller, author of the number one best-selling book, Ready for Pre-Retirement, Three Secrets for Safe Money and a Fabulous Future. I'm so honored to be the host of this show called Ready, Set, Retire. Do you lay awake at night wondering if you're going to have enough money to pay the bills, let alone retire? In this show, your vision will be transformed as I show you how to save, have safe money and a fabulous future. I've counseled thousands of individuals, businesses, and families over the past 20-plus years, and I'm so proud to say I've never lost $1 of my clients' money. I will share with you secrets I've learned over two decades that only the few rich know about and have been around for centuries. Today's show is Taking Charge of Your Debt and Credit. You really need to hear this. Taking Charge is all about how to secure the most advantage mortgage terms, conditions, and avoid bankruptcy, obtain optimal credit terms, handle collection, agency calls, all those good things. The A to Z guide on how to manage your finances in today's economic climate. So coming up next, that's what we're going to talk about. So my special guest today is Rob Goldstein, and he's been helping businesses, and consumers with credit and debt issues for almost 30 years. He's an innovator in the field of debt negotiation and has counseled hundreds of clients on the East and West Coast and helped them dramatically improve their financial situation. He's a co-author of two books and a highly regarded lecturer and speaker. Rob's free workshops and seminars attract private individuals and businesses alike. And, Rob, I am so happy to have you on the show today. Well, thank you very much. I'm happy to be here. Well, you know, I really think that what you're talking about in your book is so important for people, and and really, most people really don't seem to understand that. People get caught up in not knowing where to go and what to do, that they lose focus. And in my book and in my practice, we basically teach them how to explore their options because there are so many options available and bankruptcy isn't isn't always the option and sometimes bankruptcy isn't an option you know it's it's really it's so confusing because you know people don't really know how to get out of debt and and so maybe you could take everybody on a little step by step on you know how important it is and and what could what do they need to do how do they wrap around all this well, there are first three things I tell anybody that asks or anybody that becomes a client, and these are three things that people need to understand if they want to do it themselves. Is the first thing is don't bank where you owe money. Don't keep your money in an institution that you owe money to because that bank can take the money and offset. So the first rule is uh, any banks that you owe money to on credit cards or other type of debts besides mortgages, don't bank there. Take your money elsewhere. Um, this this creates a hurdle for anybody just to take your money. Right. The second part is don't talk to the creditors. And, and the third part is, is don't pay anybody. If you're looking to explore your options, hold on to your money for a period of time while you figure out your options. Sometimes making a payment just to shut the creditor up or to keep them happy isn't your best um, alternative. 
Sometimes if you're thinking about negotiating debt or reducing your debt, becoming, um, becoming scarce, not making payments available to them is really your best option if you want to cut deals with the banks. If you are easy, if they can manipulate you, if they can bully you into giving them payments and checks by phone, then uh, you're not going to be able to save any money. So you have to play the game and protect your money. That's, you know, that's fascinating because, you know, I don't really know a lot about being in debt, thank God, but uh, what I've heard always is you know, I would call the company and negotiate. So you're saying back off and be a little hard to get and then negotiate? Correct. And sometimes um, I can teach people how to do that. And the book, Taking Charge of Your Debt and Credit, teaches you how to do it. But sometimes also being a third party, being an independent third party, does make the job easier. But we teach you the step-by-step of how to do it yourself. But also you need to learn not only to not talk to creditors and, and, and keep a distance and not give them checks by phone and just to give in to them because they're harassing you. You need to create control of your situation, and letting them bully you is not creating control. But this also leads to another, another issue here is that there are a lot of agencies out there that are scammers. Uh, and this book teaches you how to avoid scams. But there are people that are calling you up saying that they're the owners of your debt and pay them X amount of dollars. Uh, or they're going to sue you or send you to debtor's prison. Well, first of all, in this country, there's no debtor's prison. Right. And the second of all is you want to make sure they are the rightful owners of your debt. Now, a lot of debt's being sold on, on the, in, in the third world market. So if you have a credit card with a bank, and after so many months, they're going to, they're going to, after unsuccessful collections from you, they will sell off or hire a collection firm or a law firm to handle the debt. Right. They may tell you that the debt is being charged off and they'll be threatening you with it being charged off. Well, first of all, people need to know that being charged off doesn't mean it's being written off and going to be forgotten about. It's, all it's doing is taking it off of the good books and making it onto a bad debt. But you still owe the money. A lot of people are under the impression that if it's charged off, it becomes a non-collectible debt. That's not well, true. Well, are, are all debts negotiable? All debts are negotiable. Taxes are negotiable. Even student loans are negotiable. So, do you think? What do you, do you really think that people can do it for themselves, or just you know, like you say in your book, or is it good to have, like you said, a third party call and talk for you? Well, you can have a third-party call and act for you if you have a legitimate third party that is really working on your behalf and that's also not taking advantage of you. In, in a frenzy like today, a lot of people are taking advantage of other people. There's a lot of bad people out there, whether it's people that, that have um, swindled money out of people in, in legal fees, accounting fees, uh, contractors. You hear about all of these um, scams going on, and... You know, we teach people to watch out for scams in, in the book as well, too. And I could teach people how to negotiate their own debt, but they first have to learn how to posture themselves and how to distance themselves from the creditor. And when the creditors are making, making accusations or threatening calls, the first thing you want to find out is if they're the rightful owner of the debt and prove to me that you're the rightful owner of that debt. Send me a validation letter. Validate in writing that you are the owner of that debt. Good so, point. yeah. Yeah. So you don't want to become a victim. I've had one client now that paid two different so-called mortgage companies her mortgage payments. We're talking about ten and fifteen thousand oh, dollars. 
So was somebody calling up and, and saying they were Wells Fargo Bank when they weren't Wells Fargo Bank? And she sent them $15,000. Then after that, it happened again with another bank. She didn't learn her lesson the first time. So the reality is if, if, if it's – be careful. I get texts or emails or phone calls saying that they're on my bank and that they need my PIN number to change, to change something on, a, on an ATM card. Right. Be careful. There's, yeah. there's so much identity fraud going on. So, in the, though, so you couldn't just go Google, you know, creditor help, and how do you know is, is this company a legitimate company or another scammer company? Is there, like, a, a better business for creditors, or how do you know? Well, well, I will tell you, when you talk about better business bureau for creditors or for debt, or for, you know, for debt companies, um, I've seen, I've seen, um, I've seen terrorist organizations have A ratings with better business bureaus. So the Better Business Bureau isn't always the best way. You may want to call the um, Federal Trade Commission and find out. Uh, that would be a better source than the Better Business Bureau. Uh, better Business Bureau does not take well to, to debt companies, but they really don't. Uh, and that's one of the reasons why they do that is because in Southern California, the vice president of the Better Business Bureau happens to own a debt company. So he just he just blacklists every debt company out there. Right. True story. So um, you got to be careful. You got to be careful who you do business with. Many attorney firms, law firms, are being shut down because they're taking lots of money from people doing loan mods and not doing the work. And you think, well, it's a lawyer; it must be good. So you really do have to be careful. In the book, it teaches you how to differentiate uh, those people and how to deal with all those companies. And, of course, I'm always available for a consultation. People can ask me, what do I recommend? And I'll point them in the right directions. Great. Well, so how you, the, the age of the debt, does, it, does that matter, how old the debt is? Or? Actually, it does matter because the older the debt is, the more likely the creditor will negotiate the debt. Um, you know, when a debt is current, in other words, if, it's, if you're past you only 30 or 60 days, it only goes from one or two different departments. You you wait and you know as it goes 90 days and 120 days, it goes to third and fourth departments. Each 30 days, it generally moves to another department, and then after six months, it generally goes to either a collection company, a law firm, or it's or it's sold to a to uh, to an investment group who buy debt. There are companies out there that bypass due debt, and then they try to collect on the debt, and they will pay anywhere from from a penny and a half or two cents to 25 cents for the debt. So if you know that the debt was purchased by a, by a debt buyer and they, if they paid a nickel for the debt, then you know that you could probably pay them somewhere between 10 and 25 or 30 cents on the dollar, and they're making a great profit, and so are you. Right. So, um, cert, certain debt, I'm sorry, certain debt ages to the point where it becomes the statutes of limitations. Um, in some states, they're four years. Some states, they're six years. Where if you haven't made a payment in four years or six years, that debt is unenforceable. We'll talk about un- we'll talk about unsecured debt, by the way. Okay. So if um, you're in California and it's past four years that no payment has been made, they can't sue you for that debt. They can call you and threaten and, and threaten you or make collection calls, but they can't sue you. They don't have a valid lawsuit. They might even say to you, "Well, just pay us a dime today." And we'll go ahead and, and, and leave you alone for 60 days. And you say, well, for 10 cents, I'll go ahead and do that. But if you made a 10-cent payment, you've renewed, that, you've renewed that debt. 
Right. So be careful. Also discussed maybe, in the... Um, maybe what's the difference, you know, for our listeners that might not know about unsecured debt, the definition, what, is, what does that mean? Most credit cards are unsecured debt. Now, to clarify that, sometimes when people don't have credit, they can get a secured credit card. And a secured credit card is basically, in theory, you put $500 into a bank and, the, and they give you a credit card against it. Um, it's not an ATM card. It's a credit card. And it looks, smells, tastes, feels, and acts just like a credit card. And then each month they send you a statement and then you pay your statement. But their security is that if you don't pay them, they can go ahead and offset that by taking the money that's in that savings account. That's called a secured credit card, but generally in small amounts. But most credit cards that people have, 99% of the credit cards people have, are unsecured debt. In other words, the credit card companies send you these applications, you sign them, you fill them out, and send them back, and you get a credit line, whatever it may be, in the, in the form of a credit card. That's unsecured. And um, the remedy is to sue you if you, if you don't pay your bill. Uh, an example of a secured debt, besides the small secured credit card, would be your car, for example. You, you buy a new car, the bank gives you a loan, the security instrument is the car. You buy a house, you take out a mortgage, the security instrument is the, is the deed to the property. Those are secured debts. So unsecured debts are generally credit cards. Unsecured debts can also be things like Going to the doctor and him sending you, and the doctor sending you a bill each month. That's an unsecured debt. Um, it's questionable whether furniture could be a secured or unsecured debt. It can be it could be looked at both ways. Uh-huh. So what Technically, happened? it would be. Sec- Sorry. Well, I was just going to say, what happens if you're just buried in bad debt? Do you what, do you think that filing bankruptcy is a good thing? Bankruptcy is not the negative um, any more than you know anymore. That as it used to be, but in bankruptcy you have to find out if you fit for bankruptcy. Now each state has their own set of what they call local rules, but but the let's take an example of Chapter Seven, which is the bankruptcy that people think about when they want to get rid of their debt. Well, in Chapter Seven, each state may have their own rules, but you can only have so much income before you're not qualified to file Chapter Seven. So if you have seventy-five thousand dollars worth of family income or 95000 of family income, the courts won't let you file a Chapter 713, which is a small reorganization. So first about your income, do you fit income-wise? Then there's another uh, thing. You look at your income versus expenses. Expenses, modified expenses that are allowable by the bankruptcy courts, and your credit card payments are not considered an expense because you're going to be discharging your, your, your credit card debt. So you have to look up your, your expenses and write down your rent or your mortgage payment, your car payments, your health payments, and everything else. And look, is your income greater than your expenses? Again, you cannot put on there the credit card payments. If your income is greater than your expenses, chances are you don't qualify for a Chapter 7. Chances are. And you might also be converted to a Chapter 13, which we'll talk about in a minute. So you have to look at your income versus expenses, your income to begin with. Then you have to look at your assets and your assets versus your liabilities. For example, you can have a home. You can have a home with a certain amount of um, equity, and that changes state by state. But if you have a home with a lot of equity, you're probably not going to be able to file a Chapter 7. There are some states, like, say, say Florida, which are havens for people. You can have a home free and clear, and it can be worth a lot of money. 
Uh, people will remember the OJ moved to Florida, whatever it was, 15, 20 years ago, whatever that time was. He moved to Florida and, and filed bankruptcy of some sort because the home was exempt in Florida. Exempt means not, um, not touchable in bankruptcy. Right. So you really have to look at it. And in the book, Taking Charge of Your Debt and Credit, gives you more specific uh, generalizations about assets and assets versus liabilities. You can't own a business that is saleable. Now, if you're a handyman and that's your business, well, that's really not saleable. And your tools are what they call tools of the trade. So those are exempt. But if you have a store, if you have a restaurant, that's saleable. You can't have a restaurant or a business like that and file Chapter 7 and keep your business. It's who's a monitor for the bankruptcy state will take your – and seize the asset and sell it uh, on behalf of the creditors and, of course, charge the estate handsomely for it. So in, in looking at the book and looking at discussing whether you should file bankruptcy or not, you need to talk to somebody who understands bankruptcy and walks you through things. There certainly there are there's information in the book about bankruptcy. There are places you can go online and look up some of the rules. But generally speaking, if you have too much income and too much assets, a Chapter 7 is not for you, and you'd be a Chapter 13. Mm-hmm. And then you have to look at how much you're going to have to pay back in a Chapter 13, which is that many reorganization. So bankruptcy isn't, isn't always an option, and I generally, my forte is keeping people out of bankruptcy. Right. So um, I really like this this uh, quote you have in your book by Jerry Garcia. No, we don't want to play louder. This is an acoustic set. This is where we play soft and you listen loud. I like that. <laughs> that's, that's, that's under the negotiations. So where are you, bring where are you a, coming from? By you, you, bring a, you bring a smile. That was an, <laughs> that was an inside quote between me and, and the attorney that, uh, that I've work with that helps me write uh, some of my materials because I knew Jerry Garcia and so that was that was tossed in that way as well too but he, it is right um, you want you do want to listen I like that listen lot you have that listen louder listen loud mm-hmm. that's great <laughs> <laughs> that's really good so kudos to my friend Dennis who put that quote who helped me put that quote in there well, that's great. So we're talking about negotiations. So there's there's a real art there to listen loud, and and how to approach and and handle all that. Every creditor will make deals. Uh-huh. They all they all will cut deals if you play the game right. Even um, there are there are tax negotiators, but of course you have to be careful with them too because. As I mentioned earlier, a lot of people are just in it for what they can get from you, not really doing the job. But there are tax negotiators, there's student loan negotiators, there's mortgage negotiators. We 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 can negotiate everything. Right. Right. We know this is this is another neat thing you have in your book, the recession in your credit. And I really like this uh, thing you were talking about, Billie Holiday, then in 1939 in her classic song. And it's never been more true to today. The ongoing battle between Wall Street and Main Street has taken more victims than ever in recent years. And the odds are it will get even worse before it gets better. And if there was ever a time for you to be concerned about your credit score, this is it. 
and and I really, you know, I'm an optimist, but I'm looking at the facts, and it's not getting better. And don't be fooled because oh, the market is better today. It's it's really a lie. We are really in trouble, and people are in trouble. I think it's something like 28 percent of people have about a thousand dollars saved for retirement, totally. So, but they can't save if they're in debt. So this is so important about you know starting out. And are people able? These uh, credit reports, and uh, maybe you could talk about these. I'll run your TRW and these credit report agencies and what's going on with all that. Well, um, first I want to explain that um, I probably get a lot of referrals from financial planners because their clients are taking money out of their portfolios to pay down their debt. And so if they could reduce that debt to a percentage of what's owed, they would take out less from their retirement to pay that off. Right. Um, so that's number one. And, and it's so impossible these days. A lot of clients can't even afford settlements because they don't know where to turn to for the money. We have, we have hit in, at rock bottom in most areas. Now you hear a lot of propaganda, I call it propaganda, about how the economy is getting better. Right. Um, and in some areas, maybe, maybe the, some jobs are reopening and so forth, but uh, for the most people, it's tough out there, and and everything has gone up. Recession, you know, the inflation has gone up. Uh, utilities are sky high, gas is sky high, food keeps going up. Everything goes up, but your wages. It costs you twice as much to live, and people are making half as much money as they used to make. So it's 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 really tough out there. That's number one. We talk about the credit reporting agencies, and I'll guess 15 years ago, TRW sold sold out to a company called Experian. That could be 20 years by now. I don't know. We'll, we'll say 15 for the sake of discussion. And then they they found a way to score people, to rate people on on their on their credit. Now the scoring system basically isn't great. Um, but it, it is something. I mean, there's flaws in all the scores. There's flaws in how they're rated, and and it it opens up great opportunities to to work on. I use a bad term, fixing your credit, because it's really a bad term. It's really called you know credit restoration. But for lack of better um, articulation, we'll call it credit repair in these these days. Um, a group called Fair Isaacs and Company created a system for scoring, and that that became FICO, F-I-C-O. And FICO score of 700 and above is considered A credit. Um, 650 and above is B credit. 600 is C credit, and so forth. But this day and age, if you can have a if you if you have a 650 FICO score, you're doing good in this day and age for for most people. Um, when you see cars that are being, you know, we see the interest rate on cars, you know, for you can get 0.9% interest or whatever it may be for qualified buyers. Those are people with 700 FICO scores and above. It's not really for the masses. Um, the credit reports contain basically four items. It's identity, it's who you owe, it's how you pay your bills, and how much you owe. And if there's anything that's inaccurate on your report, you, according to the Fair Credit Reporting Act, can challenge or dispute any item. So if you have a debt on there that it's not yours, you don't have to prove that it's not yours. You have to state that it's not yours. 
and then the credit reporting agencies and the creditors have 30 days to respond and prove you wrong. Now, there's always a lot of mistakes. I mean, let's face it, how many people are in this country and how many how the system goes on overload. So there's a lot of errors on those just to begin with that are legitimate errors. If your name was um, John Smith, it's a common name, you could have something show up on your report that doesn't belong to you, belongs to one of the other 10 million John Smiths in the country. Um, I've seen, uh, I've seen, I've, I saw someone that had a Sears uh, account that was started in 1904. Well, the person maybe was at the time 30 years old. He couldn't have started that in 1904. It was a, it was clearly a definite mistake. So there's a lot of mistakes on credit on credit reports. You're allowed to challenge them, and the way we do it is you write letters to the agencies. You send them out by certified mail. The agencies have 30 days to respond and prove you wrong. We walk you through the steps in, in the book, taking charge of your debt and credit. Um, if they if they come back, they'll come back with either saying that they've upgraded it or verif- or verified it or deleted it. They'll come back with something. If they don't come back with something, or if they don't come up with something that's satisfactory to you, then you have the right to challenge them again, saying you didn't you didn't satisfy me, you didn't prove me wrong. I therefore demand that you take it off. I mean, this can go back and forth, and we show you step by step of how to do that yourself. And of course, we can also help people do that as well too. Um, so, so for uh, for those of you that are just joining in with us, you're listening to Web Talk Radio, and our show is called Ready, Set, Retire. And our guest today is Rob Goldstein. He's the author of Taking Charge of Your Debt and Credit. And, Rob, this is a good time that you could share with everybody how they can get this great book and get in contact with you. Thank you. The book is called Taking Charge of Your Debt and Credit. Uh, I have a website called takingchargeofyourdebtandcredit.com, and I believe it's now up. You can also, you can also go on Amazon and download the book. Uh, it's for a few dollars on Amazon. You could also uh, find it in some bookstores. It's 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 always being added on to more bookstores. Right now, it's I'm doing a book signing at a place called Book Review in Huntington Village in New York, and we're increasing our book signings and getting on different books. Um, you could also contact me for a copy of the book, and if you can't find it anywhere, we'll tell you where to get it, and we'll help get it for you. And we'll even, uh, if you were interested, we can even give you a downloaded version of it if you want to contact me. My office number is 631 area code, 656-3370. That's my office line, and the book is called Taking Charge of Your Debt and Credit. And you can find it on the website, takingchargeofyourdebtandcredit.com. All right, and for those of you that want to reach out to me, again, my name is Chris Miller, and I explain money in a language anyone can understand. I provide the answers you need to get started immediately, and some of what I show you is how your money can be safe in a down market. You don't have to risk your money to make money. If your nest egg is cracked, what can you do about it? And what the tax man doesn't want you to know. These are actually secrets that have been withheld for centuries. And this is in my book called Ready for Pre-Retirement, Three Secrets for Safe Money and a Fabulous Future, the number one bestseller. You can get it at my website, which is readyforpretirement.com. And that's R-E-A-D-Y-F-O-R-P-R-E-T-I-R-E-M-E-N-T.com. Pre-retirement is plan retirement early so your money, health, and peace of mind is there when you need it. 
And you can get a hold of me at Chris, K-R-I-S, at Ready for Pretirement, or go ahead and give me a call at 951-926-4158. Okay, so let's get back to this. Okay, the the information on my credit report, and you've disputed it, and you got something back. Is there any, you know, cleaning that up? Is there anything else or any other tips in there you should people should know about? Well, a lot of people are are suffering with with mortgages, and as a result of obviously the first of all the the housing market deteriorating, but also lenders doing a lot of awful tricks. You know, back in the early two thousands, for maybe for a period of maybe 10 years or seven or eight years, uh, things that I always thought were just unruly and should have been outlawed, and they finally have become, outlaw, not, become outlawed. We help people by auditing the loan and finding out, do they have a legal loan? Was the loan done properly? Did the bank give them um, all the forms? Did they um, know what the people are buying into? Did the loan broker or the lender put them into a loan that's a bad loan? Now, for many years, they were they were issuing what they call option arm loans. Now, an arm loan stands for adjustable rate mortgage. So, so when a lender or a bank would put a borrower into an option arm loan, the person had three options generally of how to pay the loan. They could pay this like a one percent interest only, and the difference that would be that was wasn't paid would accrue and get add on to the loan. Making it a negative uh, a negative loan, uh, or they could pay just interest only and not reducing the principal, or they would have what they call a principal and interest loan, a PITI loan. Most people, when they were put into option on loans, were paying that minimum payment. So, for example, if a family that realistically could buy a home for two hundred thousand dollars and live in there comfortably, and they would qualify for a two hundred thousand dollar mortgage the bank or the lender or the loan broker might put them into a million-dollar mortgage. And if they put them into a million-dollar mortgage because they could pay the payments, that would be similar to a $200,000 loan, but they were accruing a negative deficiency. And then after two or three years when the loan adjusts, the person now has to make a huge payment that they can't afford. So they were set up, they were set up for failure by the banks and the loan brokers. And these type of loans can be modified they can be negotiated, um, and we help people find out, did the bank do all the right things? Did they give the uh, person who spoke only a foreign language, did they give them documents in their native tongue? Uh, did, were the loan brokers doing baits and switches, things like that? So we help people determine, did they get a legal loan? Were they, were they had? Were they, were they scammed? And we help them by referring them to people to do uh, various loan workouts or defend them against wrongful foreclosures and help them reduce some of those balances. All of those things are mentioned in the book, Taking Charge of Your Debt and Credit. We'd basically like to subscribe to the, to the theory exploring your options before you do anything. Right. And you know, which goes I, back I, to your Jerry Garcia quote. Yeah, right. And listen loud. I like that. That's a good song. You know, but... It, the people they have when you know when they're in 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 this situation i i've been hearing that they're actually mortgages that people are carrying that are on illegal paper and they don't even realize it and since nobody is paying attention to it 
they actually could get those redone and get some money back on those. So that's, Correct. That's kind of, yeah, that's you can have those mortgages reduced if you know how to do it properly, but it'll also teach you how to, how to stay away from people that are doing things wrong. Right. So, I so, guess what we're selling here is besides exploring our options is awareness. We're teaching, we're teaching the, the people who are listening to the show, the people that need to learn about what's in the book. This book is for you. This book is to help you navigate the financial debt and credit world and how to avoid lawsuits, how to avoid um, bankruptcies and foreclosures and bad credit. So the creation of the mortgage crisis and the creation of toxic assets that you know you're talking about that in your book and do you, do you actually feel that that this whole thing is being manipulated that creation like what you're talking about the mortgage crisis well i re, i i predicted the mortgage crisis 10 years ago by those option on loans uh, also because i grew up and spent you know all these years in california where they the banks were giving uh, borrowers what they call 125% loans. So you'd buy a house for $400,000 and you have a loan on it for $500,000. And now it's worth 275 mm-hmm. where they set up a failure. Um, I think the banks made it too easy. They were competing with each other. But I think loan brokers did a lot of, uh, made a lot of mistakes. Right. And so what do you what do you mean by the creation of toxic assets? Well, the asset itself is not worth really what it's worth or what's owed on it. Right. Again, back to the example, you can owe 27 you can owe 500,000 on a house that's worth 275. You know, I had I saw a loan broker once. I t- I saw a loan broker once um create false financials. Uh, for a, a borrower that was an immigrant from Mexico, the, the guy had a third grade, the guy had a third grade um, education, worked at Marie Callender's as a, as a dishwasher, but he had him as a he, has a he had him as a president of a corporation, of two corporations on phony tax returns, making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. The guy bought millions of dollars of the properties, so. You tell me what's toxic. Yeah, right. Which way? So, what if you if somebody's sitting here listening and they're really not that educated on anything you're talking about, they've got a lot of debt. What steps would you suggest them to take? Where do they start? Say that again. Well, there's a lot of people that are listening to the show that houses are upside down. They're in debt. And and it's all just so complicated to them. They don't know how to start. Where do they start? What's their first step? Well, the first thing they do is they just don't pay anybody until they get a grip of what they want to do and they make a game plan. Just hold on to their money, whatever it is. Don't bank what you owe. Know that that no one's going to take away your home tomorrow. Know that you have um, you have options and. Um, Take assessment of, of where your assets are, what your income is, what your, what your expenses are, and then make a game plan, whatever it may be, um, before they do it. So I think doing nothing is the first step, but protecting your, protecting your money and don't paying anybody. Don't leave money in a bank where you owe money to. Don't talk to collectors. Get a game plan. 
It talks about how to do that in our book, and if people are really unsure how to get, make a game plan, I'll be happy to walk them through that. But you're saying so. You're saying don't pay anything, and then how long do they wait to to not pay something or negotiate? Well, you could negotiate anything any time after, afterwards, but first they need to have a game plan of what they want to do. Should they be filing bankruptcy is something that they can look at and consider if they are a bankruptcy candidate. Uh, if they're bankruptcy candidate and they're going to be filing bankruptcy, paying the creditors something to hold just to just to keep them quiet while they're call- for calling is throwing away money because you're going to discharge that debt anyway. Or if you're going to negotiate your debt, paying them something to 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 keep them quiet is also kind of throwing away money because I could show people how one dollar will pay four or five dollars with a debt. Mm-hmm. So you know you. There's so much fraud and and scams out there that you know Ponzi schemes, pyramids, bubbles, legal scams. What you know? How how do you navigate through all that? I mean, people people don't have a clue. And and it seems. I mean, I've been scammed. The guy seemed like a really nice guy. In fact, he was an attorney, and and I worked for him, and he just wanted all of my information because. My business was successful, and the minute I gave him the business, he stole the business. But he sure seemed like a nice guy. I sure couldn't have figured it out. But if I well, I'll tell you, you're, you're so you're so right, and right? it's it's tough out there because scammers come in all sizes and shapes, and they generally are nice guys. Right, and they and they um, seem like a nice guy. Right. <laughs> Hold on to your money. Check people out. Do investigations. Create safety nets. Do things in stages. Do things in writing. Make sure that the debt's legitimate. Make sure the debt's owed owed to that particular company. Get a settlement letter before you make a payment to somebody. Things like that. Do you have a step-by-step tip, like that you walk people through that they can actually, you know, see a way out? Like, okay, number one, you do this. Number two, you do that. So you can actually help walk people through it. I do walk people through it when I talk to people on the phone. I get an assessment of who they are financially, what their income is, what their assets are, where they want to be. Can they afford settlements? Can they afford to make settlements? Can they file bankruptcy? I, I, I do a complete analysis for people and then tell them how to protect their assets. But step by step right now, the first thing is don't pay anybody until you figure out what you want to do. Don't pay anybody until you've made a settlement and you have something in writing. Don't issue a check by phone. That's where they said you. They'll duplicate the check. I don't have a problem with that in theory, as long as you have written instruments first. As long as you have no knowledge that they are the the actual creditor, and you have a settlement letter that's bona fide that states that this payment of this debt will get rid of the uh, payment of the settlement will extinguish the entire debt. So I don't think people should do anything until they have stuff in writing. So it sounds like everybody needs to talk to you because they're not going to be able to figure this out themselves and they need to get a professional expert that knows how to navigate through this. So you have, a, a say, a new couple, and they want to get a loan on the house, a, new, a house. How do you even know what's a good loan? Are, are there, can you recommend loans over other loans? Or how do they get I don't, I'm not a mortgage lender. I'm uh, very careful about loans, and people should be looking around shopping for loans. I guess they can be in the in probably these days in the low in the low twos to high twos or or low threes would be a, would be good interest rates i would i would suggest they don't pay a lot of points 
Um, there, there are a lot of choices on loans. Shop around and get to know your market. I, I don't, I don't, I'm not an expert in the loan field, so I wouldn't be able to tell them. I could tell them we can get them on a loan mod, uh, where they should be able to modify the loan for in a certain range, but everything is different. But in today's rates, you could look up in the paper, and it would show today's rates and what people should be able to afford to pay. And um, and I guess right. first thing they should do is go to go to the major banks and apply for the major banks directly. If they have decent, if they have decent credit scores, they can go to Bank of America and Wells Fargo and the major institutions and get direct loans. Of course, when you do that, you are dealing with a lot of red tape, and you're also dealing with um, it takes a lot of time. The lenders are way backed up. But find out what you're going to pay. Get the truth in lending in advance. Find out what is today's market and what's going to cost them to do the loan and shop around. But don't give your don't give your social security out your, your social security number to anybody. Don't let them run your credit report before they do anything else. Because if you go around shopping around for, and giving out your credit report to everybody or social security number to everybody, what's going to happen is it's going to cost you five points off your score every time someone runs your runs your um, runs your uh, credit. What I suggest is people know what their score is. Sorry, I didn't. I didn't understand. It costs you five points if you. Yeah, every time someone runs your credit for an inquiry, it's going to cost you five points. Really? So if you talk to ten different lenders, you've just given up fifty points or more. I've oh. seen people go ahead shopping for cars, and by the time at the end of the day, they've lost one hundred and fifty points off the score. They started with a seven hundred FICO score, and by the time they were done with it. It's down to 550 points. I never that's new to me. That's fascinating. And in, inquiries will stay on your credit report for two years. Oh, wow. Now, of course, you can fight that off by challenging those inquiries. But I will tell you also that the first thing when you walk into a car dealership, the salesman will come up to you and rub his hands together and say, what's your score? Uh-huh. And it doesn't matter. You shouldn't have to know what your score is to shop and look at cars. You're allowed to go looking at cars and see if that's the car you want. You should only have to give up your score when you're, ready to, when, you're ready, when you're ready to actually negotiate on the car. You found the dealer. You found the car you like. Then you give, then, then you, and when you're ready to make the deal, that's when you go ahead and run the credit. Until that point, you don't run the credit. I think that everybody should go and, and get a credit report on, run on themselves. There are many online companies that you can run your own credit. You can also go to the agencies directly, Experian, TransUnion, and Equifax and get your credit report and get your scores. I think everybody should do that. Everybody should have a checkup and see where they stand with their credit reports and, and their scores. Um, you could also, there's a lot of agencies that will give you your scores and credit, but they also want you to sign up for, for services. I'll recommend everybody listening, and I recommend anybody reading, reading the book, do not sign up for services when you go on to get your credit report. It'll, they'll, they'll, these guys will get you for 1000 or $2,000. Go ahead and pay the $50 to get your credit report. Don't sign up for any free services and know who you are with your credit report. If you're satisfied with your credit report, keep it, keep it with you or put it in a safe place but know what your score is. And if you're going shopping for cars, you may want to take it with you and show it to the, to the salesman when you're ready to go uh, transact. Now, of course, they will have to run your credit when you're ready to transact for a car, but you don't need to go ahead and, and have your credit report to look at cars and talk dollars, only when you're ready to transact. Same thing with a mortgage company. I want to buy a mortgage. I want to buy a house. I want to get a mortgage, and I want to know what the rates are you know, based upon me having you know, XYZ you know, a credit report or a certain score. Give them, give, them, 
give them um, examples of what you were looking for and make them give you make them give you a hypothetical mortgage information before they run the report and let it be let it be contingent. In other words, I'll say it's not binding. It's a quote that's not binding until we see your score. But at least you'll know. Don't give out your your your, your credit information to everybody asking you because every single time it'll cost you five points. And you're going to lose a lot of points, and you'll drive yourself crazy. And along the way, you're, you're, someone's going to wind up stealing your credit and, and, and doing identity theft. Right. And so what happens you, when you get we identity touched a very pa- We touched a very passionate subject for me. I could tell. That, that lit you up. So what about identity yeah. theft? What, what happens if you look on your credit score or the TRW and you see someone's, you know, using your name? Oh, no. Now what? Well, you can report it to the agencies and report it to the banks and they should be able to uh, remove that from your from your scores or from your reports and also um, in today's usage of, of debit cards people are are hacking into your computer or they're getting your they're getting your um, your debit card information and using it most banks will go ahead and notify you if they see with questionable questionable activity most banks will notify you when that happens I suggest this for people. I mean, a, a debit card is so common and so needed in this day and age, and I live on a debit card as well, too. I, I suggest to people they keep a debit card with a minimal amount of money in it, and they replenish it all the time. So when they go to a gas station, they, they keep a debit card with a limited amount of money in there. So if, if you did get hacked from the gas pumps, they can't get that much money out of, out of your account. Right. Well, you know, we're coming to almost to the end of our time. And so, Rob, maybe if you have a little cherry on top or something that's really on your mind you want to share with our listeners, this would be a good time. Well, first of all, I want to thank you for having me on your show and, and the opportunity to talk to the listeners and explain that they do have options. Um, they should explore their options before doing anything because people do things in such haste. You don't have to get bullied by the creditors. There's uh, protection for the for the debtors, the debtor is the person that owes the money, and uh, they have rights. And you can you can look it up in the book, or you can go online and look at the Fair Debt Collection Practices Act. Uh, it gives rights. Collectors cannot call you past a certain time or before a certain time. They can't call your employer. They can't call your relatives. They can't threaten you. They can't call you names. They can't threaten you're going to go to jail. They can't do all of these things. I'll also tell you that somebody to garnish your wages takes the course. Of, of takes the action of doing a legal action against you. So a person to get a garnishment or levy on a bank account, they first have to sue you in court and get a judgment. Uh, I also will tell people don't let it get to that point. There are things that you could do to guard yourself. Again, those, those are in the book, uh, taking charge of your debt and credit. But I'll also tell you that, um, um, that they should explore their options before they do anything. All right. So this is just tell everybody again how they can get your book and get in contact with you. Well, the, the book is on Amazon. They can download it. It's called Taking Charge of Your Debt and Credit. Uh, it's available in a few few bookstores. Uh, the website's takingchargeofyourdebtandcredit.com. You can reach me at my office line at 631 area code 6563370. They can also reach, reach me by email at robg at uslegalnetwork.org. Um, or they can call for where to find the book. And they could also, if they want to run a scenario by me, I'll be very happy to give them some information 
and point them in the direction of where to go for help based upon whatever is best for their needs. Great. Well, Rob, we really, really appreciate you being on the show. And again, everybody, my name is Chris Miller. I'm the host of the show Ready, Set, Retire. You can reach out to me at Chris, K-R-I-S, at Ready for Pre-Tirement. And you can also get my number one best-selling book, Ready for Pre-Tirement, at my website with the same name. And again, my phone number is 951-926-4158. Everybody, have a good day. Found out you can't take the curve at 85 My whole life flashed before my eyes I braced myself to leave this world behind As a million questions raced across my mind Did I live? Did I love? Did I matter to someone? Did I give everything I had to give? Did I save any souls? Was I worried about my own? Was I haunted by the things I never did? Did I embrace each day with faith, hope, and laughter? Did I matter? From that moment I became a brand new me With the golden ticket to a better destiny And I told my heart there'll never come a day When I'd have to search inside of me and say Did I live? Did I love? Did I matter to someone? Did I give everything I had to give? Did I save any souls? Was I worried about my own? Was I haunted by the things I never did? Did I embrace each day with faith, hope, and laughter? Did I matter? can be a voice of inspiration and my story finds you well cause when the curtain falls there ain't no second chances and you don't wanna ask yourself did I live did I love did I matter to someone did I give everything I had to give Did I save any souls? Was I worried about my own? Was I haunted by the things I never did? Did I embrace each day with faith, hope, and laughter? Did I matter? Did I matter? Did I matter?